Hello and welcome to the Video Gamer UK podcast. We've got Dave in some sort of uh, trance. Sorry, I was just singing corner. Gabrielle there to myself Gabrielle, in my head. Which, which song was that? I think it was there? Gabrielle. One day in my life, gotta find ya. Yeah, I can imagine why that would... Uh, Is that Gabrielle? I don't even know. I can imagine why that would find you slipping into some sort of trance-like coma. Yeah, you caught me unaware. Sorry, I we're did. here now, um, ready to go. It's fine, everything's brilliant, everything's fine. Uh, I'm going to kick off this week with a short apology, um, because I realised yesterday I had an anonymous message on the internet from somebody uh, when I was, I was talking about somebody within the industry being a bit of a creep uh, to, a, to a female lady, which was a news story that hit the other day. Mm. Um, it wasn't really, a lot of people were talking about sexism, it wasn't really about sexism, it was just generally, don't be a creep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, somebody basically said, ah, I've been wanting to raise this with you for a while, Matt, and they, they basically <laughs> oh God, said, um, yeah, I, I thought it was quite inappropriate when you, in your video of, um, I did a video at the end of last year, which was basically the best characters of the year, and I had one of the characters was The Sun from Tearaway, which was basically the joke that somebody had used Tearaway to take a picture of their willy instead of their face mm-hmm. as The Sun, which is basically kind of, the joke was that somebody has almost definitely done that um, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, somebody's yeah, done that. But uh, somebody basically said to me, well, you know, I found that a bit, I thought that was a bit crass and that was a bit rude um, that you kind of used a picture of what I assume was your penis. Whoa. <laughs> in the video. And that's the thing. And I suddenly got the fear because I thought, oh my God. Like, first of all, I was like, oh no, no, that's not my penis. That's not my penis. <laughs> uh, where, did, where did you acquire this penis from? Then? Well, I acquired this yours. penis, as you say, it was a... A fair use penis. It was a fair use penis. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to take any risks when it comes to, to whapping a, a picture of a cock in something. Mm-hmm. No? Well, so, <laughs> no risky penis. So no risky business, penis business. Uh, so it Some was... Shady legal territory there. It was on Wikipedia. It was the Wikipedia penis. Wikipenis. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, know man, why they'd I'm assume it was yours. It's not as if there's a lack of penis on the internet that you That's can true. choose from. Mm. Um, flaccid dicks are everywhere. Yeah. And I did choose a flaccid one because I thought an erect penis would be highly inappropriate. Because in my mind, there's a big difference between mm-hmm. two. And actually, legally on television as well, you're not allowed to show erect penises, but you're right to show flaccid ones. Wow. So, so you know, TV stands behind me. But I just thought I'd apologise for that because I thought it was just a bit of silly fun. But some people apparently, you know, may have so thought it was that your, you, it was me. Your chance to yeah, like, and that would I mean, if that was true, my God, yeah, that would be like horrendously, horrendously creepy thing to do. <laughs> to be like, hey, I make uh, YouTube videos about video games that are really popular. This is my chance to show my penis oh, to the yeah. world. Right, just so you know, an erect penis is something that happens when you <laughs> grow a little bit older. <laughs> fantastic. Don't worry about it. Yeah, the first time it happens... Like you suddenly yeah. stood up from your desk and thought, I know what will go well here. Let me just uh, frame this to go I don't, Yeah, I mean, it would just be a really, really creepy way of almost like crowdsourcing lovers. Uh, of being like, here's my penis, by the way, ladies. Mm, not sure how successful that might be. I mean, I'm going to avoid going into the whole like, oh, actually, you know... It's not my penis. Mine's four times the size of that. Um, but it is. Yeah. But no, no, that would have been horrendously creepy. I didn't do that. And if you did think that I'd expose myself to you <laughs> in that fashion, betraying that trust, then I can only apologise and I hope that you're now sighing a sigh of relief as if to go, oh, thank God, thank God it wasn't actually Matt's penis. It's been in the back of my mind for, for so long now. I just couldn't I just... believe it. It's one of those things where, oh, I'm so glad somebody mentioned it because... Just the idea that even a handful of people thought that that was the case. <laughs> I was horrified. Anyway, that's enough cock chat for oh, now. No. Um, let's get on to some games. What have you been playing, Mr. Brett? Um, I've, well, I've as, as usual, I'm, I'm always a, a topical gamer uh, in these podcasts. You love the Nidhogg. I do love the Nidhogg, but I haven't really played that this week. Oh. Uh, we've played a little bit at lunch. And in fact, 
one of the games I probably put the most time into was during the live stream. I played some Shadow of the Colossus. Oh yeah, <gasps> yeah. I've heard that's good game, a, that right? I've heard it's good very, game. very good. Um, I I struggled with the controls. I there, there was a kind of a that's confidence fair. problem I had, and to be honest, a large part of that uh, was due to having Simon sitting next to me, and we'd. We'd also done a video series where I introduced him to Dark Souls and gave him terrible advice. Um, and so he kind of used this to get his own back and would just, like, shout at me and, and, and just growl whenever I did anything wrong, which is very intimidating. And he's quite an intimidating man. Yeah. He's, so, a, he's a large man. So I, but I got the hang of it. I killed five colossi during my, my two-hour live stream. How did you feel when you first stabbed a thing in the head? In the head? Um, it upset me. It put me off playing it. I was fine for the first couple yeah, of. I, I was, I was as well, but mainly because like I, I was just so con- uh, you know focused on getting the controls right. I learning to like let go of the Colossus and like regain your stamina whilst also standing on it is like a big step because you, yeah. you're terrified of letting go because if you let go, you fall a huge distance and then you've got to try and get back on again, which is sometimes a bit tricky. And you've got people shouting at you. It was like I was just happy to have got that thought. I was like, yes, he's dead. Done. Controls nailed. Uh, but no, I, I I can see um, the kind of no. I missed. I didn't really care. To be message. honest, was, you didn't care. No, I did eventually, but I didn't think. I don't think you're supposed to care for no. a while. I think no. the whole point is that at first they seem quite dangerous and fearsome. Well, I, I'm I'm starting to get the idea that there is something else there. I mean, every time you wake up um, after killing one of the the colossi, you you're surrounded by shadows, and I I think so far that the amount of shadows has been the same as the number of colossi I've killed so far. So mm. there's some link. Yeah between what's going on. I'm still not sure who's telling me to kill them. I think it might be God, because it's like a shining light <laughs> in the ceiling, and I imagine that's what God looks like, but I'm not, I don't know. Someone is telling me to kill these things to get my girlfriend or sister back um, from the afterlife. Yeah, ambiguous. Hasn't it's been just confirmed yet. Just make sure you don't... You okay, yeah, you know, it could actually just be a friend. Why am I making an no, assumption? Well, no, yeah, chances are it is somebody, because obviously you have travelled to the edge of the world, yeah. so you probably, you've committed. Yeah, really. committed. Could yeah. be a really, really good friend. But, um, yeah. You're all in at this point, yeah, to be fair. Definitely. Uh, I've got friends I do that for, actually. If I thought, I've got mates who have somebody I, died, I, I'd, I'd be I'd like, kill yeah, a few colossi. I'm not sure 16's quite a lot, but yeah. I'd, I'd kill a few colossi. I don't know. I'd give it a go. Yeah. Give it a bash. You come back to go, look, I've got three. And it's just the controls are really tricky. It's a lot of work. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it'd be nice to bring you back to life, but I don't know. Look at look at my knee. Look at the scrape on my knee. I did that. I've only taken a week off work. (laughs) 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 I've not got time. Boss, he has to stop ringing me. It's been eight days. Yeah, got to go back. But yeah, nightmare. uh, And I'm. It's just it's a matter of getting used to it. The the, controls very differently to um, a lot of. Yeah, modern games, particularly yeah. like using the horse and stuff. Um, we were talking about this the other day. It was sort of like whenever you, back in the day when you used to have a tutorial at the start of the game and it'd be like, this is how you play the game. This button does this, this button does this. We've now grown incredibly tired of tutorials. Well, like, oh, just let me yeah, play the like, fucking game. And it's because now we've kind of hit a homogeny thing where all games kind of play the same way with the mm. buttons. When back in this era, it was like every game you played. I remember, like, especially the, the best example is first-person shooters. Yeah. It used to be like, oh, God, how do I play this? I think, I think Halo 3 was like the last time I really needed to pay attention to that tutorial. Just, yeah. you, you kind of, okay, so that's how you look up and down. Okay, I get it. That makes sense. And now a lot of games just work that way now. And if you have to stop and have like a doctor stand in front of you and say, you're right, chief, look up, look down. Can you see where my hand is? Like, it's frustrating now. Yeah, you're just uh, like, God, do I have to do this? But yeah, I need, I need it. In but yeah, in Shadow of Colossus, it was, it was back when game controls were odd, where yeah. it wouldn't just be like, well, we can't make it control that because other action games don't control like that. It had its own specific 
control system, mm-hmm. which is really weird to get because it is like you've got a button for grab and a button. It's like yeah, and and just learning to let go and regain your stamina when you're not necessarily in a safe position is really weird. It's actually quite a lot like Dark Souls in is, terms yeah. of the way no, you use your shield, definitely. in terms of being like, I, I can I can And the use way in this, which you approach, yeah. the, approach the boss fights uh, from a fresh point of view, you kind of, you, you there's a general theme to the Colossus, Colossi, you're looking for the, the weak spots and that. That's usually, the one thing I hate about Shadow of the Colossus is the fact that the word Colossi exists <laughs> I know, I, I, having I, to be like, oh, I, I know someone's wrong. going to pick me up on it. Because there are tedious fuckers who I, do that. I do that. kind of want to say Colossuses because yeah, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, it's, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Fuck. And That's quite good. Mm. We're going to go back to it on Thursday, so which is tomorrow. Gonna be tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, hooray. Should be good. Yeah, so yeah, you get on with it. Mm. I think it gets better. Um, yeah, the more you play it, you kind of get better appreciation for the whole thing and the journey. And also... Also, I've been told to, to kill lizards and look out for fruit trees. Yes. They're, fruit and lizards will sort you out. Those are apparently important. Yeah, they, they, they level you up a bit, which is nice. Good. Oh, the way it never tells you that either. Doesn't. It's just the fact that I saw a lizard for the first time maybe after about six hours. And, was that something? Because you don't <laughs> see anything. And you're like, was that a little thing moving? And I'm like, oh my God, it's you'd, a little yeah, thing. Yeah, and you'd killed so many giant, wonderful creatures that you just didn't care about a stage. Okay. Kill it. I never thought. that's moving around. I wonder if the lizards in Demon's Souls and Dark Souls are a reference to... Uh, Oh yeah, the, the, the little shiny things you chase after. The little shiny lizards that you shoot and get things from. Yeah, yeah. first instinct is to kill them. Again, natural human instinct. First thing yeah. you see it, kill it. Might be a might be a reference there. I wonder. <laughs> Out of interest, Pratters, mm-hmm. did you ever finish Ocarina of Time? I haven't. No, I've still I still mean to. I. Uh, How far did you get? Let it slow down. Uh, he just finished the Forest Temple, I think. Unless the Forest Temple. More. Yes, that's right. Oh. Yeah, you have I, let everyone down. I know. I I, I enjoyed it. It hasn't. It hadn't, hasn't captured me as it captured you guys. Well, it, it captured me about 20 years ago. But Exactly. And I think that, that has something to do with it. I'm enjoying it, and I, I will go back to it at some point, but there's just been other games I wanted to play. Fair enough. That's Sorry, fair enough. Like a 10-year-old game. It does have some fantastic stuff towards the end, though. Like, Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I will. I will. Did you, did you even get the horse? Uh uh, you, I've ridden no, around in the in no. the pen. You should get the horse because <laughs> the game the game does open up a yeah. lot when you've got the horse, and it is there is something quite mm. still. It hasn't that hasn't aged. The feeling of riding around on the horse is I, still. I, like, I've only just cool. clocked onto the fact that Dave just said yes, like a ten year old game. In fact, I'm playing Shadow Classes <laughs> instead. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. I'm joking. I'm messing. They're both fine games. They're both great games. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've been playing this week uh, a bunch of things actually I played Broken Age last Broken week Age. my review went up on the site on Friday afternoon which meant nobody looked at it because it's Friday afternoon <laughs> but um, if you do want to read my review of the game you can do it's a nice short sharp thing I was really impressed by it um, for reasons that I'm kind of surprised by it left me in a, an interesting kind of mental state about how I feel about lots of things both in terms of the Kickstarter mm-hmm. and also in terms of point and click and the way that they've brought it back because you know, whole, the whole picture of the Kickstarter was very much the promise of uh, point and click games had died; they dead. No one wants to bring them back. We want to bring it back, um, and you know, do you want to pay for it? And we did pay for it, and we gave them tons of money, like three point five million dollars. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's there's a lot of pressure there, but also it's funny because it doesn't really play like old point and click games. You don't have you don't end up picking loads of items up. Uh, the, the sections of the game are quite contained and the conversations um, that you have with the other characters you meet are much more narrative led really and kind of just there's not as much kind of going through conversation chains to try and pick up on details or find things it's kind of all just a bit lighter 
than the mm. older stuff. Mm. See, I played about half, an, I played the first half an hour of it, mm. and I found that quite tedious. The, yeah. the sections where you go back and forth to the the because the premise is that which bit were you doing? Were you doing the I guy? I was doing or Shay, the... so the guy, the guy. Okay. Um, yeah. So the the, the, the idea behind it is that you're in a kind of perfect world, and everything you're in a. a I want to say bubble wrap, but that's not the right word. You're protected, sort of is, yeah. right? And well, then he wants to go on a real yeah. adventure, and then he gets taken to the. He's like warned of these three missions where there's things going wrong, and actually, all it is, it's all messing about. There's like a an ice cream avalanche and things like that that he has to eat up. And but it because it, it asks you to do those three things, not in order, but to get through those three things, and then it asks you to go back and do them again, just to. Oh, uh, you see, I didn't. On mine, I didn't even do all three of them before really? I got to the next bit. Yeah, right. because you don't have to, and then. There is basically, yeah. Oh, right. I thought, I, I realized you, you could switch stream, but I kind of figured you just, right, you do. If you pick the right one, if you pick the right one and do the right thing, right. then you don't do any of the other ones. You still have that, but you still have the option to do them later through a, yeah. a sort of side bit. But uh, so you, if you feel like you've missed, because I kind of missed, thought, oh, I've missed something there because yeah. I didn't get do it. Um, but you don't miss it. There's a way you can do it. Right. But that's the thing is, I find like um, Shay's bit particularly is very linear. Yeah. Um, Shay's bit feels incredibly scripted. And it does open up towards the end of Shay's bit where there's kind of like, it's not, the problem is there aren't really any puzzles. Like the puzzle, yeah, the it end just of felt Shay's like bit, a very straightforward, very easy to play yeah. point and click. It is, it is. And that's the thing is it's, there's no real puzzles. There's some more puzzles on Vela's side, mm. uh, but it's very, very simple, mm. very basic. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's, I kind of don't entirely dislike that because in some ways it's like, well, in some ways I'm like, well, this is actually a very st- trimmed down and dumbed down version of what point and clicks were in every aspect, really. Um, however, I, you know... I is that what people paid for, though? I don't miss getting stuck for, yeah. like, weeks. And it was kind of nice that I never felt like I had to leave the experience. I never felt like I had to go on GameFAQs. Yeah. I never got stuck and went, oh, I'm, this is, I don't know what to do. I always kind of had a vague idea of where to go next, each section of the game was quite contained, so you never had too much time just spent walking back and forth trying to work out what to do. And it did keep things going forward. However, like there was, I saw somebody talking about this, and I kind of agree that it feels like a massive shame that there's one of the characters in um, Vela's bit who's voiced by Jack Black. And it feels like your whole encounter with him is just so short. It's like you meet him, you talk to him for a few minutes, and then that's sort of it. Right. And you have to basically work out a way to escape the Cloud Kingdom by by kind of doing some stuff and talking to him mm. and it feels like in the monkey island days it would be a thing like you'd have to do three things to do yeah. it or something and, and it would be this thing if you gradually work towards it and then you do it but it just all ends a bit too quickly and it whisks you off somewhere else it feels kind of strangely a bit too led by the art design and the fact that it has all these beautiful places to explore and it feels more like the locations are just these whimsical things that they've yeah, had fun making it's kind of like yeah 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 oh, you enjoyed that yeah come and look at this instead look yeah. at that yeah. and you know to be fair though i still loved it because it is beautiful and the voice acting is really good. The scripting is really good. Um, I think the thing, I think if I jumped into Shay's bit first, I would have enjoyed it less because yeah. actually the thing was I, I played all of Vela's bit first and uh, it started off quite slow, but then it opened up a bit. And actually I really liked her character and I really liked the story and I really liked the fact that at the end of, of Vela's bit in part one, it started doing this stuff I thought was really interesting. And I was like, oh, I found myself being like, I really want to know what happens next in this story. And then I went to Shay's and it was funny because of the way you know the stories are going to link together, you'll start looking for clues mm-hmm. about it. And the funny thing is, is there are actually quite a lot of red herrings and interesting ideas and it's actually really cleverly put together because I, playing Vela's bit, I had some really strong ideas about 
how the stories were going to link together. And actually, I was kind of almost at that stage where I was disappointed because I thought, oh man, this is actually quite obvious. Yeah. And, and it turned out I was completely wrong. Right. And they, it, it had tricked me. Okay. And actually, when I got into Shay's bit, um, even though I found it very strange because Vela's bit is right from the start, a bit more point and click puzzly based, his is very much like, we're going to tell you a story yeah. and you're going to like sit back and play through it. And there's only one puzzle and it's basically the only puzzle is you go around the ship and find all the things you need and then it's very, very basic. But I've got to say that the story pulls it through and when I got to that, and this is why I, I would say definitely if you are a backer and you've already backed it and you've got that download, don't be like, oh, I'll wait for part one and part two. Play part one because the ending of part one has a cliffhanger that is fucking awesome. And I didn't see it coming. And the way that episode, the way part one ends, I was like, wow, it's, 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 it's brilliant. It's, it's genuinely brilliant. And I can't wait to see what happens next. So do you play the two characters separately in their own sort of mini stories and then they both come together for this cliffhanger ending? Uh, sort of, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't want to say too much. So it's not like the away. cliffhanger will change depending on which character you choose to play as first. They will both lead no, to the same. No, it's basically, yeah, you, basically um, you play through Vela's bit and then it leads up to a certain point and then it ends. Right. And then it basically fades to black and it fades to Shay. Then you play through Shay's bit to an end. Yeah. And then once you've finished both, both characters part one, mm-hmm. it kind of has um, a little bit that it shows you. Right. Which is basically kind of like you've done the character stories up to this point and then it, it does something and shows you some stuff that's basically like it sets it up for being like giving you an idea of what's going to happen in part two. Mm. Um, but I just loved it. I loved what it did. And it, it, it really, it kind of blew me away in a weird way. I, th- I think it's really clever. Yeah. And to be honest, it's one of those weird games where it's horrible to review it just because of the fact that you think, well, look, there's not really much game here. Like the conversation stuff is very basic. It's a good story. There I are no puzzles. It, just trust me. But, that, <laughs> but it's just a good story. Surely that's it's nice. key to a classic Schaefer game like when Schaefer says I'm going to bring back point and clicks you kind of think back to you know Monkey Island Day of the Tentacle Grim Fandango that sort of stuff and if those puzzles and those big uh, like you were saying with the Jack Black character if that connection isn't there is it the game that people were hoping for well I I think possibly because of the fact that um, the problem is I liked all the characters I met it just felt like some of them you didn't spend enough time with right however I think what really helps it is the fact that I'm less keen on Shay's character. I think Shay's character is kind of cool, but I really like Vela. Vela is a brilliant character. I took a shine to her immediately, and I really, I really root for her because. Mm. And then you start to realize also that the story of the world is quite interesting, and you wonder where it's going with that. And it's cool. I mean, that's the thing is you kind of think back to these games like Dead Tentacle and Monkey Island, and aside from things like remembering the the rubber chicken with the pulley and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder how much of the fondness was based on the um, the puzzles and things and how much of it was just fondness of the characters and the The jokes. wacky side of it, yeah. And the jokes are really funny. And, I mean, some of it was a bit basic. There was a kind of section where there was a poo joke that just kept going on and it was like, oh, come on, guys, this is not that funny. But it was still quite funny. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I haven't gone back to it. I played it the night it came out for about half an hour and it yeah. got to that bit in Shay's bit where you have to it's like a an arcade toy grab what do you call them where you pull ah, the claw yeah, down yeah, and yeah. you pick it up and he did that bit and I was like well, what, what's that doing in a game like this I don't know I felt, it felt a bit weird yeah um, I know what you mean and I, honest, I wasn't getting on with the character all that much I liked the mum and the dad character I won't say anymore yeah, but yeah. Um, and you meet the fox and it all seemed a bit too serious well no but why I liked you think it lets you, sorry why do you think it lets you swap them if, if 
Matt seems to think that starting with is it Valor? Is, well, basically, is it just gives you some beginning? choice. It means that you can. Um, I think I, I'm assuming that what they're going to do as the game progresses is have puzzles where you need to switch between. Them. Yeah, have puzzles where you need to switch between two to do stuff, mm. and like Day of the Tentacle, basically, mm-hmm. and that's cool. But to begin with, it's just basically you can choose which section you want to play, and at any point you can go to the other character and play a bit. Yeah. So if you want, you can be like, I'm going to go and do the other bit. But I, I was having a lot of fun with Vela's bit. And I didn't get stuck, so I just kept doing it. I know what you mean, though, Dave. And it's, it is an odd one, because I, I, I kind of actually got drawn into Shay's story just to do with the fox, because there's the mystery of it. Because I was like, because you know, obviously, yeah, it's one of these things where there are, there are lots of questions in Shay's yeah, bit. Yeah. Shay's bit is driven forward by, by questions and wanting to know what's going on. Mm. Why is it going on? Whereas Vela's stuff is much more like, you know what's going on. Like, yeah. you're escaping, and you have to the progression is like classic point and click of you need to get to the next place. Yeah. How do you get to the next place? And um, it's a bit more recognisable. I think that's the thing. I think that the reason I want to, to carry on playing it is because of what it is. It is a Schaefer point and click. And it's, the, it's the, worth doing. It hasn't gelled with me yet, but I'm still prepared to go back to it and give it another the go. The thing is, you can that. finish part one in about three hours. Right. And it's definitely worth doing mm. because the ending is brilliant. And it's the sort of thing where if you're not careful, somebody will spoil it for you. Mm. And it'd be a shame because it's a cool, it's a cool ending. And it is only um, part one. And it's well. only part one. My only concern to this basically so far is part two needs to be longer. Like, and I don't, I don't know. They might have already said this is going to be the case. But to me, three hours, I had a fun time with it. But it feels like the only... Because they don't have the puzzle element of the game in because you can breeze through it. Mm. They really need the characters and the character progression to be really strong. And I think if it's another three hours, it's not going to be enough. Mm. Because it feels like there's a real scope for something awesome here, but I just don't see how they're going to be able to wrap that up convincingly in another three hours. So I hope that it's longer. Mm. And secondly, the thing I miss the most, I don't miss all the bullshit puzzle, having to combine every object with every object to try and work out what you're going to do and having to work out that... I mean, let's be honest, like, we remember a lot of the good puzzles, but some of the puzzles were just like horrible. Like, I remember Day of the Tentacle, the idea of turning wine into vinegar. Like I was too young to even work that out because like, yeah. I didn't know... That's how I learned that wine turns into vinegar. <laughs> was Day of Tentacle. So that's kind of cool, I guess. But what I miss most is the fact that now you've just got this single button input. It means you don't have the old choice of being able to go, like, look at. It's just all you do is click on stuff, and you can... If it's a person, you talk to it. If it's an object you pick up, you pick it up. And because they've completely taken out that kind of, like, ability to just look at stuff and get the character to say something interesting, insightful, or funny about that... It makes the world, like, even though the world looks awesome, it makes it feel a bit flat sometimes because they've really, you know, in Monkey Island, you used to be able to click on, like, everything and it would have a bit of dialogue for it, like, even tiny incidental details. And in this, you can only really click on things that are important that you need. So often you have, like, these awesome, um, like, town backdrops or whatever, like, backdrops things, and you see tiny details like a well or something and you want to click on the well and just have them go over and say something. You Mm. You want, like... It kind of feels like the world is, that they've created is cool and it has a cool backstory, but I just wish you could interact with it a bit more. And I mean, I can see why they've done that because maybe it means that people are less likely to get stuck because there's less options, but it kind of feels like they've gone too far and I miss that. And I do think that they've blatantly... And this annoys me a little bit. Um, and I wonder how lots of PC gamers will feel about it, but it does feel like they've very much optimized the game for the fact it's coming out on iPads. Yeah. Because... And this is just, this isn't just that it's simplified, it's the fact that it's single button. There's no like having to hold down a button to bring up a menu. It's always just tapping on stuff. Mm. And even the the minigame aspects, like the grab of it is like big chunky buttons. 
and you can imagine it working on iPad. But the thing to me that makes it very clear is the fact that when you use your inventory, you click on the inventory button, it brings it up. And instead of clicking on the item and then clicking on the thing you want to use it on, you drag and drop, <laughs> which feels really weird yeah. on, a, on a PC. There's something about dragging and dropping an item on something that feels really clunky and strange. Mm. But I imagine on a touchpad, it would feel incredibly natural. Mm. So that swings and roundabouts. I think if you've got an iPad, it is like a really nice narrative-led game that actually if you want to play it with your partner or your kids... It would actually be a really nice thing to to play along because it does feel like a kind of interactive cartoon, mm. and it is brilliant. I really like it. I would probably rather play it on iPad actually. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like if you've got an iPad, it's actually going to be an amazing iPad game when it comes out. Mm. So don't fear that. But I don't know. I just kind of think as a as what they promised, like we're bringing back the point and click. It's like you haven't actually. Mm. You've made something different, and I like it. And I'm really glad that we've got a narrative led thing made by Schaefer because. I loved Psychonauts. You know, it wasn't a terribly good action game, but it was yeah, I guess lovely. One of the benefits of you know, Kickstarter as a platform is that you don't have to make compromises unless you want to. If you can get the funding, it shows that people want that in the first place. But that's the other problem with Kickstarter is the fact that you, you can compromise to, yeah, without, without, without telling anyone. Telling anyone yeah, Whereas if happens. you've been paid by a publisher to make a product, don't they, you don't have your build reviews or your milestone reviews. Yeah, it's yeah. just beginning and end. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no one looking over your shoulder yeah. constantly. I mean, well, there are millions of people looking over They're your shoulder, but they don't have an insight into what you're actually doing. I mean, doing. you're right. And publishers often actually send people, like I know um, back in the day when Bizarre Creations were still alive, um, uh, Activision actually had kind of an American embedded in the office. Just because, you know, you have bill reviews and stuff, but sometimes it would be this thing of like, if you have people, a studio working on something, and for whatever reason you don't entirely trust that they're all making decisions that you've told them they have to make, then often publishers actually have somebody who's employed by the publisher who is, goes to work every day. person's job title American? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in that case, it's just because they were... American in Fossa. They were a Liverpool-based yeah. racing studio. It just felt a bit strange. It's like, why well, is this really American-American here? Like, it just, <laughs> Guys, it just felt, notice the, uh, the American just, guy? There's something about it in, Amer- in London you wouldn't look twice, yeah. but there's just something a bit odd about it in the middle of nowhere near Liverpool. It was like... Why are you doing it? <laughs> um, but that's why. I mean, you know, as you say, build reviews. It'd be like if you go off piste as a developer, yeah. and publishers are paid for a game, and you go, oh, yeah, well, we thought we'd be better if we did this. And they just go, it isn't what we pay for. Mm. Get back to the spec. They have a specific spec. You have specific deadlines, guidelines. You have to make the game that you've pitched. Mm. Whereas with this, they kind of like, they pitched something quite fuzzy. They weren't yeah. specific about it. They said, we're going to bring back the point and click. They haven't lied. They, they haven't, haven't delivered lied. something they it, said they no, wouldn't. They, they absolutely haven't lied. But they were perhaps the thing is because of the the feel good element of Kickstarter, yeah, and because of the fact that as as backers we are not savvy with the industry and the way that publishers are, it meant they were able to pitch a product in an extremely hazy yeah. way. What they've done is they've made one of many possible truths they could have made because the the language was so fuzzy in what they said they were going to do. They could have made one. Yeah, of many well, they, possible well they, to be fair, they have brought back the point and click, mm. and they've probably brought it back in a way that is more relevant for today's audience. Mm. Um, and I like it a lot. I just feel like as is often the way when you simplify these things, sometimes you can go a bit too far. And um, I just would have liked, I mean, I would have liked a bit more interactivity. Mm. There's some stuff like on Shay's ship, there's like things that move around sometimes. Mm. Like there's some little like worker robots that are animated like welding. And it kind of annoyed me that I couldn't tap on that and him, hear him talk about that. Even just to give the world a bit more backstory. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you can hope for is that episode one is a sort of way to ease people into the forthcoming parts and then that way they can um, you know they can get people to sort of anticipate you know these are the characters this is what they do parts two three four whatever 
whatever. Well, I think it's just part two and then they're done. Oh, but, um, oh, right. Well, then hopefully, like you say, they'll flesh that out a bit more, offer more puzzles, maybe. I think it's going to be really good. I think they've set up a really awesome story about kind of... Uh, it's nice. It's a simple story. I, th- I think it's the sort of story that wouldn't get very far if pitched as well because it's mm. a story about not going against the grain and self-discovery and growing up and taking responsibility and all these things. It's kind of nice. Um, it's a nice story. It's not a story about redemption and revenge and yeah. like having to save your family. It it's, doesn't seem terribly cliched and I like it. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm glad it's here. You know what I'm like. I'm always anti-Kickstarter most of the time. But yeah. now it's actually here and now that I've experienced what it is, it's the sort of game that would never be greenlit by a big publisher at all. And I am glad it's here and I, and I am looking forward to playing it. And so, I think you should go back. I'd yeah. recommend um, go back and start with Vela's story. And, you think? Uh, yeah, because I found with Vela's story when uh, I got to the end of that, I was really keen to see Shay stuff mm. and I was, I was enjoying it more because I was trying to work out how they might intersect at some point. Right, fair enough. Um, and yeah, because wasn't Shay revealed before Vela? Am I right in possibly. thinking that? And that's why I automatically clicked him because I thought he might be the lead character. Yeah. And so that's why I went with him. But if you're saying the other, that Vela is the better character to start with, then maybe Well, it's kind of this funny thing of the two characters, I think that they, they kind of reflect, they bounce off each other quite interestingly in the fact that um, Vela is like tough as nails and she doesn't take any nonsense and she's just like, really she's kind of like the warrior really she's the one mm. who doesn't mess about right yeah. whereas shay like has it he wants to be like he wants to be that sort of person he wants to be let off the leash doesn't he but he's still very coddled yeah. and kind of a bit weak really well, I like and naive that. i like yeah. that but and i like that i like that but it's it's kind of you kind of need to see both sides yeah. to appreciate it and yeah. i think it was only because i'd spent more time with bella who i just thought this girl's badass like um that i was kind of a bit more forgiving of the fact that Shay, to begin with, at least, is a bit of a wet sausage. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Don't even know what a wet sausage is. <laughs> I don't know very well what a wet sausage is. It was in your uh, tearaway video. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. It wasn't mine. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It <laughs> was mine. Um, but yeah, it might sound like we're really being vague about and like uh, on the fence, but I, I really would highly recommend it. If you've got it as backup player, if you haven't, then I'd recommend getting it. It's not what, it's not what I paid for, if I'm being completely honest. But I but really you don't really regret like paying it. for it. I don't regret it at all. Right. I think I spent $15, thing, which right? is about yeah, nine it's, quid. It's, a, it's nice to be able to say that. Um, Absolutely. It, I mean, this, regardless, this is one of the biggest Kickstarter projects for... Well, it was the one, games. wasn't it's it? The, yeah, it's the mm. one that started the revolution. Mm. Um, and thank God it hasn't messed it up. I think it's great. And actually, I've got to say, it's nice to see... I honestly think... Because I've heard rumours in the past from people who I trust, like insiders and stuff, off the record, that um, Ron Gilbert was actually not a terribly good influence on a lot of projects, in terms of, especially in terms of comedy, apparently. Apparently, I heard he had a fixation with anachronistic jokes. So, um, you know, in Monkey Island, you've got the used ship salesman, who's basically a used car salesman mm-hmm. selling ships. And that was really funny. But apparently, like, he's obsessed with that kind of joke. Mm. And he's, it's his favourite type of joke and he just wants to put loads of them in everything to the point that it's like, it's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've heard of people, I've heard from people who've worked with him that actually it's this thing of, in the industry he's lauded as being this comic genius, but actually it's Schaefer who is funny. And actually like Gilbert did do some funny stuff, but it was Schaefer who was the talent. And um, this game kind of solidifies that to me because it does have that same sort of magic and charm in the way that I liked... Um, the stuff that Gilbert worked on, what was it called? You the cave? Death's the cave. Bank. Oh, Death's Bank. See, I never played Death, Death's Bank. It was, hear... The problem with Death's Bank was it wasn't a terribly good game and it wasn't terribly funny. The thing was, there were aspects of it that were almost funny, 
but it wasn't funny. Mm. And lots of people may disagree with me, but I've got perhaps maybe a bit more of a, I don't know, I'm a bit harsher when it comes to things being funny mm. or not, because mm. I kind of take that stuff seriously. Was the cave funny? I don't know if the cave was funny or not. I, I, I never it, played it. Oh, fair enough. Fair but enough. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. It doesn't, it doesn't come across as being like wacky in the same way that some of the old games did. Yeah. But it's funny and it's touching and it's got heart. Recommended. I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing it now. I, I want to just, I don't want part one to be spoiled before part two comes out. I think that's a big thing. Uh, but yeah, thanks for spoiling The Walking Dead for me, Chris. No worries. <laughs> just just talk on that subject. I've, You're not bitter I've played about a bunch though, of games for, that have come from Kickstarter now that just wouldn't exist yeah. otherwise. And FTL, like, I still love it. Uh, Shadowrun Returns was last year. There's The Banner Saga I really liked last week. The games that just wouldn't exist or wouldn't exist with the same kind of funding, perhaps. Was um, Nidhogg a Kickstarter game? No. no. Right. No, that's just one to gauges to make. Right. In fact, I noticed somebody asked a question on Twitter. 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 Um, that I'll just cover really quickly. Somebody said, are you looking forward to FTL Advanced Edition in 2014? That's a free update with some new quests and new stuff. Hell yes. <laughs> uh, FTL is brilliant. It always seems to be on sale on Steam for about three quid. I'm still waiting for that iOS version. Yeah, well, the iOS version is coming out uh, very soon as well. Right. And it'll be brilliant on iOS. Oh, it's such a good game. I love FTL. If you haven't checked it out, then do. It looks really boring in screenshots, but it's basically like being a space captain, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, you been playing anything, guys? Uh, I have, but we've done it to death in the past, so let's What's not talk day? about what, it. I was what have you been playing? <laughs> playing another racing game? What have you been playing? What have been playing? No, I was prepared to go on a little bit of a rant, because I was playing... A, I've got back into Battlefield 4. Oh, we again. always talk about Papers, please. Oh, be oh, quiet, Bratters. Oh, no, you know, this is a game we haven't, we haven't covered. That's Obviously, ahead, people <laughs> are saying it's still broken, and I played it for a few hours the other day, the weekend, and I had no problems whatsoever playing the Xbox One version. I'd, nothing. Oh, really? Nothing at all. It was fine, and I thought... What, why is this still <laughs> broken exactly? What are people talking about? And then as soon as I thought that, next match crashed out to the bloody dashboard. I thought, oh, brilliant, right? So I can't, we're not going to talk about that then. Yeah, maybe you do have a point. Um, so yeah, I've got nothing to speak about this week. It's a bit dead. I'm looking forward to Tomb Raider, playing, replaying Tomb Raider on next gen though. I don't know why. I don't know why either. No. <laughs> I, I think mean, it's an alright game, but it's very linear. It's one of my favourites of last year. Surprisingly so. I didn't. I was expecting I that to be another absolution scenario. For yeah, me, I was. But, I really liked Absolution, and um, yeah. I'm one of the few people who did. Actually, kind of weirdly, because I uh, reviewed it for our exam, and uh, I reviewed it for our exam. And part of the thing, obviously, reviewing for publication is you review for your readership, mm-hmm. and our exam's readership is largely um, kids and men in their thirties, and <laughs> same thing. <laughs> uh, who like who like a bit of kind of action stuff so quite simple stuff they're not too fussed and so I gave it a 9 out of 10 which I completely stand by um, for an OXM readership because I thought it was a really nice blend of kind of like some fun action stuff but also I think it was cool I think it was a cool game it was really cool and it had like a lot of the hallmarks of Hitman but also it was a bit more accessible but it was funny because I played it and I really liked it and I had a blast with it and I, I can see why it's not like as good as Blood Money but I thought as a simplified kind of more action narrative yeah true thing, I just, enjoyed it it's just there were too many little bits that just I thought this isn't Hitman the bit of the railway station well, that's the thing I didn't and care and it just threw me off I, I, like, I thought it had some great bits that were Hitman and then it had some I liked the way it jumped between the two I thought in my mind I liked the way that it had the Hitman style missions and then the more like narrative sections were, which were a bit more uh, unpredictable and fast paced than the idea mm. of just trying to get through something without being seen and I, I really enjoyed it. Never it never felt advanced and it never felt, even the bits where it, it kind of went back to original Hitman, like the bit in the, uh, is it the Chinese market? One yeah. of the earlier levels. That was good, but it wasn't to the standard, you didn't have quite the freedom freedom to 
Yeah, well, I guess the thing is also they were they were trying to make a console game, and I think a lot of people who were angry were, were people playing it on PC who'd love the original Possibly. games. But Possibly. I think they were trying to make it something where it kept the spirit of the game. Yeah, but it also was something that was a bit more accessible. to It's interesting games. what they're saying about the next one. It seems that they've listened to some of the criticism of Absolution. They're going to go back. I to thought, the older... to be honest, for me, Hitman wasn't about having this incredible scope of things you could do. It was about having enough scope of things you can do and enough reasonable ways to work out stuff you can do but it, for me it was more the f- it was about feeling like you were a hitman and there's some incredible stuff in absolution I, I love the way at one point there was a guy who came down to talk to some bent cops about picking up some guns and instead of you had to kill yeah, this guy yeah, yeah. and all you do is if you took one of the documents then he came down trying to find the documents they weren't there he'd pull a gun and the police would kill him and then the police would be like oh god we've got to clear this up mm. and they basically I love stuff like that, how you could just... I don't know. For me, I played it... It wasn't about targets, Absolution. It wasn't about being a murderer, I don't think. It was more about these smaller segments that you... uh, It's hard to describe. It it, it was almost a Hitman game in that sense that there was the planning and you could go around certain scenarios in different ways, but it wasn't in how you approach to kill a target yeah. that often seemed to be the actual linear part of yeah. Absolution and I like the um, I really like the world that they'd made I really like the because a lot of people slagged it off and were like oh it's cliched and it's like yeah that's the point like, yeah. it was it was trying to make like a trashy movie world and I like the fact that it was had a really dark sense of humour everything oh, was really grim yeah. everything was really like nasty and... well, look at Kane and, Lynch, Kane and Lynch 2 yeah I think that's quite an underrated game i don't think it's a, a great game by any stretch but you look at the style of that game it's really dark and that whole vhs type um aesthetic to uh it's, it's, it's like a snuff film do you know what i mean it's, it feels a bit manhunty and it was the snuff and, thing in um absolution that made me think god i really like this game was the way you all around the strip club you had all these notes and stuff about people going to hawaii yeah and it was like oh I've got, they're, they're sending me to Hawaii and like oh I'm sure you'll have a great time and like, everyone seemed really worried about it and you're like why would you be worried about that and then it's just a really subtle thing you find a room which is basically like a chair with arm and leg clamps with a wall behind it which has a massive mm. wallpaper poster <laughs> of like Hawaii, Hawaii. Cool. and it's like oh, it was either Honolulu and it was just like oh man and you basically realise that when girls get sent to Hawaii it's, they get sent to snuff movies basically Shit. and it's like Fuck. But it's the fact that that wasn't part of a mission. It was just something that if you noticed it, and it was a room you didn't even have to go into. I just walked into the room and thought, what the fuck is this? And then yeah. just my, I clicked and I went, oh shit. That's the thing. It's just a lot of individual segments that were cool. And it yeah. just wasn't one overall big freeform, freeform level. I was, I was but, pissing myself at some bits. There was a bit yeah. where you walk into the weapons facility and there's the security <laughs> guard talking about how like, oh no, yeah, they want to show off like how safe their equipment is so that you realize the entire lobby of this weapons facility is, is filled with live mines in glass cases. <laughs> and it's like, I just like the way that Hitman Absolution played with you constantly of being like, yeah, you're supposed to do it without killing anyone or without being seen. But then constantly trying to tease you and being like, <laughs> yeah. but if it does go wrong... Yeah. I mean, look how many mines there are, I'm just saying. And I think lots of people really no- were really annoyed that combat was an option. But to be honest, I thought the combat in it and blowing people up and killing people in horrible ways was so much fun that I kind of enjoyed the fact that when it did go wrong, it wasn't like, oh, restart the mission. It was like, you might restart the mission afterwards, but the period before you restart the mission you'd have a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a, it sounds like there's a, a, a similar problem to how Dave approached Broken Age, I guess. You're, you're going into it, comparing it to your memories of the point-and-click games. Yeah, you're probably right, yeah. And Broken Age, by the sounds of it, is a great game in its own respect. It's yeah. just different. I guess Hitman I think, Absolution 
is a different kind of game to yeah. Blood Money. And you, if you can get past that, you might enjoy it. I think that was the thing more. is I think because I'd, I'd seen some some preview stuff of Hitman Absolution early on. Um, they you basically you readied yourself. <laughs> they kind of been quite candid about the fact. That, well, you could kind of tell that they were aiming for a different experience, mm. and I think that because of that, I was like. At first, I was quite cynical about it, but then when I actually started to play it a bit more, I was like, you know what? They've actually done this pretty well. They've made it so it's it's, it's still a fun game. And I think that game, yeah, you're right. I think that game got a lot of stick because of the fact that people want a Hitman game. If it wasn't a Hitman game, if it was something new, I think people would have really enjoyed it. Um, I had a great time with it, but it was one of those awkward things where it was one of the earliest reviews I did, and mm. it was a nine, and everyone was like, oh, afterwards, everyone was like, oh, blatantly that review was paid for. It's like, no, I just really liked it. Yeah. It's always weird when you're the person in that position where everyone's like, oh, this biased review has clearly been bribed. And you're like, no, I just, I thought it was a really talking fun of that, game. Though, and talking of fan expectations, what you were just saying just now, I was cheeky, I looked at some of the questions and I think there's actually a question linked to this stuff. If you're a fan of a series, does that affect how you approach a, a review? Does it affect how biased you are towards giving it That's a higher score? That's a big score? problem, that whole thing. And mm. you know what? I think there may be people that do think, oh, I love that series, so it's automatically going to be a X in my mind. But it also happens I think for a lot of people, a lot of critics, it's actually the other way around. When you go in with such high expectations harsh. and when you expect so much from a series that you love, you are, you're more harsh. You, you're, you're a lot harsher than... But that only, that's only the case in, in games where they've at all diverted or done something different or tried to do something different, yeah. which I think is a shame because it means games, whenever they try to try something new they usually get kicked to the ground for it. Mm. Um, and I think that's not good because the, the other side of this problem, and I think this is a very serious problem in, in games reviewing, is game series do not change. Yeah, the yeah. Call of Duty argument. Dynasty Warriors, mm. uh, Call, of Duty, example, Call of Duty. Um, in some regards, stuff like the Metal Gear Solid series, I think Metal Gear Solid 4 was, was a lot more highly rated in terms of the critical appeal across the board. Obviously, they're always going to get people who give it 9s and 10s, but I think that the, the spread of scores was very high on that generally I think the problem is when you have games like that where it's a combination of you need to have knowledge of the series in order to review it properly Mm -hmm. you often end up the people who do review these games and the people who say I'll review that are the people who have a lot of experience and obviously if you've got someone playing Metal Gear Solid 4 who've never played a Metal Gear Solid game before that's going to be terrible Mm because it's full of references it's basically it's a love-in to fans but then by the same merit it's like you know it doesn't work. If you get people who love something reviewing something they love, then they just love it. But the problem is with games reviewers, it's not a well-paid job. There isn't a great pool of people doing it. And generally speaking, one of the only perks of the job is that every now and then you get to play a game that you really like and you get paid to do it. Yeah. But yeah. it's an issue. And it's like, I think a lot of the time you look at games that score critically really well across the board that are basically sequels. And you kind of think like, stuff like, um, what's that thing that's made by From Software? Armored Core. Armored yeah. Core games always review quite well. And I think it's because the only people who review Armored Core games <laughs> are Mech fans. Are Armored, Armored Core, Core fans. fans. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's tough. It's, you know, I mean... Yeah. But then what do you do? You've got to be a fucking good editor to yeah. basically... Mm. How, and also, you've got to have a, an amazing pool of reviewers to be able to make sure that you give games to people who either, A, know enough about the series to not completely fudge it up, or B aren't super fans mm. Mm. you'd have to have sort of a double perspective on the game when you either give it to two people with one like say who's a huge experience in the series and one who's not and see what they both think or you have someone who has that sort of dichotomy well, in their own head I don't think there's, head, I don't there's a right answer though is no, there well, no, the, and not, the people really. reading the reviews I mean there are there are going to be Dynasty Warriors super fans that want to read a review from the well that's, that's the other thing yeah. like, you know yeah. there was a, the backlash when I think there was a review uh, for Armored Core uh, by uh, one of the future mags I can't remember which one but um, 
I think he gave it a four or a six out of ten. I can't remember. But he basically slated it. Uh, I think I reviewed it and gave it a six, but I think he gave it a four out of ten. And it was a massive backlash on the internet because it was like he basically had said he hadn't played the online component when he reviewed it, which I think is still fair to do as long as you say that you've done that. Mm. Um, but yeah, fans were like, you don't get Armour Core, this is terrible, this is trash journalism. And everyone was like, oh, this is broken journalism because he doesn't get it. And it's like, he did get it, actually, guys. Like, I played that game and it's not a good game. Like, it, there are things about it that are good, but largely... There, it's not good. And surely that, surely that review, just on the other side, is going to, from someone who isn't familiar with that series, it's going to be a better introduction for them. They, they yeah. want to read something that is by, you know, someone well, who's it. played all the series. You know, I reviewed it. I didn't get on with it that well. And then, like, it was afterwards where lots of people said, you didn't get this, you didn't get this, you didn't get this. It's because, like, yeah, the game never explained any of that to me. Mm. And it's like, I kind of was aware of that when people are like, oh, but you don't understand the appreciation of this and this and this and this. And it's like, you know what I did, actually... I realized that those factors were things I had to know about. But the fact that the game wants to do that, it's like, fuck you. Dark Souls gets away with it because it's rooted in, it's grounded in reality. It's like, if you swing your sword and it's too big and too slow and you're losing, you go, my sword's too big and too slow. It's, it's all stuff that you can relate to. Whereas Armored Core, it's like, you use, need to use plasma weapons against this type of armor. And because it's all sci-fi made up stuff, there's no way you could know that. Yeah. Like, mm. You just suddenly find yourself dying all the time because you've made the wrong type of robot. Mm. And it doesn't tell you why. And it's I like, fuck off. <laughs> Dark Souls might have a little bit of that because it does seem to be one of those games that people love or hate to an extent. Um, the, I mean, the vocal majority seem to love it. Um, let's not be, let's be clear about that. But, the, you know, people, when, we, when we played it with Simon and Simon just hasn't really clicked with it, like, how, would you, how would you review for both sides of that? that yeah, I mean, I think that's what I mean. It's, 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 you I still to, think it, it's fair. It, it ties back into that idea of you've got to try and read the reviews of people that you have similar opinions, yeah. similar tastes yeah. to in the first place, but, which yeah, is exactly. so difficult to do. But Because Dark Souls, or even because Demon Souls reviewed well as well for the most part, but because there was no established series, you had to take the opinion that this is clearly coming from people who have that sort of nostalgic retro gaming uh, upbringing where they love the games that just crucify you, like the Mega Man series and... And the yeah, but you see, you I know. don't, and we won't talk about this because I talk about Dark Souls way too much, <laughs> but I don't think that's true of Dark Souls at all. I think, I think it was one of the shoddiest um, pieces of rehashed journalism that we saw was uh, people happily repeating the PR message that Dark Souls is really hard mm. because that was a PR message that was sent out by Namco, mm. blasted out repeatedly, hardest game, hard game, so hard. Mm. Can you do this game? Can, and that was basically, it's a good, it's a good PR message mm. to a degree. It's basically going... As a marketing message, it's a challenge. Yeah. So you get hardcore gamers, I bet you can't beat this game. Mm. You get, it's like you a Facebook ad, what? you know? <laughs> I bet you can't beat the high score on this thing. It's, it's kind of really obvious, but it kind of backfired as well because so many people didn't want to play it because yeah. they thought it was hard. Where Dark Souls is not a hard game. It's just, it's just different. It, it expects you to forget everything you know about games mm. and learn from scratch. It mm. basically goes, oh, you've played a lot of games that look like this, but this isn't anything like that. So you're going to have to forget all that. Because what I like about Dark Souls is a lot of people I know who, who love it aren't really gamers, and it's one of the only games they've ever really played. Mm. And what I think really? is... Yeah. I'm intrigued by that. Because I thought Dark Souls would be a gamer's game. No. Rather than a non-gamer's no, game. No, there, there are people I know who are like almost casual gamers, haven't really played games for a long time, really? but they love it. Because it's a game anyone can complete. And I've I never there are lots put of the two together. Mm. It's not like in Call of Duty, where if you play on a veteran, it gets to a point where you need to have fast enough reactions yeah. to be able to shoot all those dudes before they shoot you. Otherwise, you can't finish the game. Dark Souls is all about knowledge mm. and like preparation helps. But you need it's all to be about... quite astute, though, don't you? You need to. You need. I'd have thought that you'd need to have experience in. 
playing games to know how to play it well. Well, I mean, how much can you? I could be totally it? wrong, but that's my in- that was my instinct when it comes to Dark Souls. But it's fiddly. You, you mm. kind of start yeah. off at a level a level playing field to an extent because you are learning because it is system. totally different to anything I I before. Think, yeah, yeah. But, I, I struggled like when I started playing it because I was trying to play it like something like Kingdom of Zamala. I was just running yeah. in slashing. Yeah, yeah, and it punishes you very heavily for that. The only thing I would say is that the controls are tricky. You know, mm. you have got lots of buttons to press. But to begin with, you, don't, you know, you can worry about stuff like mastering the kicks back. And, you know, it's not like in uh, most action fighting games where it's like you need to learn how to do these moves. Otherwise, you can't beat these types of enemies. Mm. It's just that you'll struggle a lot more until you start to master it. Mm. But I think, yeah, it's the fact that if you go into it knowing how to play action RPGs, Dark Souls is actually really difficult. Whereas if you go into it not knowing how to do that... Yeah. It's probably easier. Mm, fair enough. Because fair enough. it really kicks you in the teeth for coming in with expectations. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, if you were, like, when I first played Demon Souls, I made the assumption, like you say, that death is a punishment for you doing something wrong. But when it actually is a learning curve, it's not exactly saying, you know, when you die, that's it, you start again back from scratch. And then I quit the game. I, I, took, I, I came away from the game for a good six to eight months to a year even. And then when you come back, you realize, oh, well, no. It's just telling you do something differently. Well, that's time. the thing. I think as another thing is it's not just about the skills you learn. Mm. It's also about the way you approach it in terms mm. of like death is always seen now as being a fail state in mm. video games. Um, and it's used increasingly less now. Games have started to realize that that's dumb because the only reason that that existed was so you put more money into an arcade machine. Mm. But Dark Souls kind of owns it and it does make it a mechanic. Mm. And it's like when you die, it's not... It's annoying, but it's not like you fail. It's just dying is a part of the game mm. and it's going to happen. And you get used to that. But as you say, it's, it's more a case of like seeing how you die is like, okay, we'll go back to the drawing board. You're like You have to think about it. You go, did I do something wrong? Mm. Or did I just fuck up? Like, and it encourages you to experiment. And that's without the death, it wouldn't work because you don't really start to appreciate how clever Dark Souls is until you've died loads. Yeah. Until you start to think, when you have that eureka moment, and people have eureka moment at a different time, but everyone I know who likes Dark Souls has it because they've bashed their head against the wall like 80 times. I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And instead of just keeping to trying it, they stop and they go, well, why, what's going wrong? And then you have an idea and you're like, I wonder what happens. Yeah. And I had this in the demo for Dark Souls 2 that I played. Um, and it's one of the reasons I'm confident the game will be good. There's this bit where you have to walk down this corridor. There's a sorcerer at the end of the corridor and I'm like, fuck, you've got to kill him because there's a white door behind it that you can go through to get to the boss. And I was like, well, I could probably run through and roll dodge underneath his magic spells and then get through the door and go straight to the boss and ignore this room. But I thought, well, let's try and kill him. So I do the classic Dark Souls thing. Shield up, walk slowly down the corridor and it's like, okay, fine. I'm going to try and block his spells. But then as you start walking down the corridor, some of the statues... (laughs) <laughs> like these horse statues with, with swords and there's loads of them some of them start to come horse to life statues with swords yeah they're That's really ridiculous. cool but they, they basically some of them their eyes light up and I'm like oh I can see their eyes lighting up in the corner of my thing and I'm just like oh no that's, that's not <laughs> realising that it's like I can't block spells from the front and fight these guys and then they start coming at you and they move really quickly and they move in this really erratic way and it's like oh shit and then they're all around me I'm dead and then I realised that obviously what you can do is you can edge into the room they are, horse statues come to life and you can fight them in the room but they have this idea of being like after all I know which of the horse statues are the ones that come to life and I realise I can stand back in the room and use my bow and arrow to like if I headshot a couple of them 
then it means I headshot one, they all start activating. But then if I'm quick, I can headshot a second one before they actually finish coming to life. Mm. And that means I've only got to deal with two of them instead of four. But it's just the fact that I worked that out. Yeah. I was like, hang on a minute. Like, how about I do this? Because if they're going to come to life, maybe I can attack them before they come to life. And that satisfaction of being like, I've worked that out. I've gained the system. Yeah, I, I had my eureka moments. But I, need, I want to put this out, by the way. The end of the uh, Dark Souls video of Simon, I did... I did Destroyed those gargoyles, admittedly. <laughs> Lots of people thought it was me. Yeah, loads of like. I, <laughs> Everyone's I, like, I, yeah, I get good job, so Matt. Many tweets about that. Um, but yeah, admittedly, I cut out about five or six tries in which I had to kind of learn what I was, what I was doing. But I had the Eureka moments, killed the gargoyle quickly enough, the first one, and the second one you can actually deal with. Like, it's a simple thing, but you kind of have to be quite brave in the fight, particularly yeah. with how, how I was set, the character was set up. And yeah, I've got it now. And now I kind of want to go back and play it. And to be honest, I can see. I've, a lot of people pointed out that I, you know, I watched through the Pantsman playthrough and I still don't really know a lot about Dark Souls. And it is one of those games that you have to kind of play for yourself because I didn't... Well, I, you wouldn't have really questioned why I was doing yeah, things and in I, certain I, ways. I liked like, watching uh, you go through it and like, you know, we, the live streams That's the thing, lots fun. of sections but I would I didn't, have... I didn't yeah. really think Dark Souls, oh, this is a game I've got to play. And now I've just from like experience that boss fight where I, on my own, no one else in the room... Uh, kind of, I struggled with it, and I finally beat these two gargoyles. It was a big moment. Now that's it. I kind of want to go back. But it's my weird. Own character. We're talking about Broken Age and the fact that the point and click hasn't come back in the same guise. It's like Dark Souls feels more like that than Broken Age in the fact that it used to be in the old days. You get stuck on a puzzle and you'd be like stuck on it for a few days, and you'd be thinking about it, and then you have this idea. You go and you try uh, it. No, it's not a popular thing anymore, is it? It's I not. Mean, but then Dark Souls is like that in the fact yeah. that you go, oh, how do I do this? And then suddenly you go, oh how about I try this? And he tried it and he's like, nope, that was complete failure. <laughs> like, but it's kind of nice because you're like, I think I've got it. And then you're like, nope. It's that game where you walk away and go, that's it, I'm never playing it again. But you have that one idea and you think, no, not, I'm too tired. I, I, but no, it's a really good idea. There's a wonderful bit um, towards the end of Dark Souls where you have to get up this hill um, whilst these two giant dark knights are firing, like they're firing bows and arrows at you, but bows and arrows that fire spears. Mm. And by this point, I was like heavily clad <laughs> oh, in armor, that bit, holding yeah. a shield. And lots of people give up on the game at this point because if you've, it's kind of the game point where you've broken the back of the game and you're mm. like tough as fuck. Uh, but then it's like, if you just try and block them, then the knockback from it just pushes you off the yeah. edge. And the way to do it is basically just take all your armor off. Yeah. And then you run so fast that you can just run roll under them the and they can't hit you. Yeah. And it's like, I just like the fact that I mean, the only thing uh, example I can think of in a traditional kind of RPG where you have to take your armor off is probably in something like Dragon Age, where one of the puzzles, it was like, you mm. couldn't get through this room unless you took all your armor off. It's like a puzzle thing. Mm. It, you never, you'd never think of doing that. Mm. Uh, you know, if you're a knight who uses really heavy armor, why would you wear shit armor? Yeah. But in Dark Souls, there's benefits to that. Mm. It's not, and it took me a while to realize that. I just like did the traditional RPG thing. I'm a big man, big sword, Big armor, big thing. But then suddenly I'm like, oh, why do I walk so slowly? <laughs> it's like... In some respects, it makes it more difficult for a new player to go down the traditional route of get heavy armor and a big sword. It does, because yeah. Because being able to move fast makes the game a hell of a lot easier for a new player, like from, from my experience. But then it's kind of odd because we're not used to that. We're used to being able to play a game where you're a dude in massive armor, massive shield, yeah. but he still moves around slashing stuff up. Whereas I think maybe if you've never played a game before, the idea of carrying a really heavy sword and really heavy you, armor... you question those things, which you wouldn't... Yeah, you'd be like, oh, I move really slowly. I guess it's because I'm wearing really heavy yeah. things. Mm. Whereas, it, it, weirdly, that logic makes sense. Whereas the logic we've been we, taught well, we is you're over-encumbered. Yeah, so you go, totally. maybe I'm holding too much stuff in my inventory. It's like, no, dickhead, you're just wearing like <laughs> steel plate. Yeah, It's heavy. Um, yeah, so I think it's... yeah. 
Anyway, I said I wouldn't talk about Dark Souls again. It happens, doesn't it? I mean, it happens. <laughs> it happens. It's like saying you're not going to have a drink. <laughs> just one pint. <laughs> Four pints later, Dark Souls. Um, let's see some questions. All right. All right. Will you be discussing the machinima scandal on the podcast, says headless underscore sky? Will we? Well, you're the video, guys. You tell me. Well, th- this is the uh, information that's come out this week that, uh, well, we don't know... We don't know across the board, but Microsoft and EA have some documentation have come out has come out that YouTubers basically if have you say nice say or neutral things. things about their games or consoles in exchange for Dollar. monetary rewards. So yeah, I think press always get well. I think the community always assume that press are on the take and will talk about games because they have been given them or because they have relationships with the devs slash publishers, and hopefully, Bratters. I remember talking to you about this when you first joined. No, 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 this is fine. When you first joined and you you were new to the industry. Mm -hmm. Still am. Yeah. And I got the impression that you didn't know whether to believe that or not. Has your opinion of that changed in the year that you've been within the industry? Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I never never assumed that, um, you know, publications... I I don't think it's quite as black and white as, um, you know, the internet sometimes... Believes, but I think it's the grey bits that were the. the well, worry. these are the grey bits. Uh, well, no, this is. I think this is pretty black. Like well, the, the fact yeah. saying positive things about a game without disclosing that is pretty black, in my opinion. True, uh, true. Uh, and I, I guess the, the 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 difference is. I mean, YouTube is something you know the games industry can't ignore. It's it's such a huge part of uh, how the media works now. Um, well, the beef I've got with this is the fact that most of the time when you say. Uh, these YouTubers are basically being paid to be positive about games. People go, it doesn't matter, they're not journalists. It's like, yeah, well, it does matter well, they're, they're filling because the they're replacing journalists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is, you kind of, if you think that, then you've really got to take a step back and understand something very simple. PRs and marketing companies of games companies don't deal with media very often anymore because they can deal with YouTubers who have a bigger reach and a bigger audience mm-hmm. and bigger clout and less morals. Sorry, it's just fucking true because they are individuals who can decide on their own basis whether or not they're going to accept money. And not that they all do. There's a lot of people like, you know, Dan Nocube is very open about the fact that he thinks it's bollocks and will not do it. But it's not like here, if somebody turned around to me and said, hey, Matt Lees, I'll give you 15 grand to make this video. I couldn't do it because... I work for a company that would say, no, Matt, you can't do yeah. it. One of, the thing, to, one of the things you know. that publishers have been saying over the last couple of years uh, is, you know, community is becoming more and more important to us. And this is why. This is what it is, yeah. yeah. And basically, it's awesome for them because it's such cheap marketing. Instead of spending money on advertising or spending money on ad spend and websites in the hope that they might curry favour with them, they can just give somebody yeah, 10 I, grand I, I think and get it, millions of views. It's a fair point as well. That, I mean, Microsoft and EA are two companies that you know, can sometimes be quite easy to hate on. Um, and it won't just be and Microsoft in some respects, Everybody does it. In some respects. Oh, I, don't, I don't know who does it, but it won't well, just be Microsoft and the, EA. The, the documentation's been revealed with. But yeah. it's, I, I don't think the fault even really lies with them. I think it's, it's a weird thing to read about, but I mean, it's marketing, isn't it? The they're, fault they're, absolutely lies with the people accepting the money. Yeah. It's unequivocal. The fact that people have started going, oh, Microsoft, you're bad. No, that Microsoft are doing marketing, right? Like, marketing doesn't care. Yeah. Like marketing, marketing doesn't really have a conscience in that respect. No, marketing does not have a conscience. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but it's not the issue here. The issue here is that people are accepting these deals. And, and it's not happening it constantly. And I, this is speculative, I don't know for sure, but it won't just... I don't think it will just be in the games industry. No, I think it'll no, be the, the fact that it well, may the, the, be as... What was, 
I mean, hasn't it happened with like the blogging in every had possibly, but the people handy. talking about games often tend to be a lot more younger, a lot more naive when it comes to stuff like this, and yeah. so it's easier to infiltrate and it's easier for that to get a bit more traction. The thing is, you can see it on YouTube, and obviously, I'm not going to give examples because you know it would be libel. But you can watch videos where you clearly you go, "Why are they making this video?" Mm. You've got some big YouTuber suddenly talking about the sort of game that is just completely different to the sort of game they usually talk about, talking about it quite favourably. And it just seems like slightly under duress, like there's somebody off shot, maybe holding a gun or a knife to their face. And it's like this, as an adult, you look at this and go, this is so obviously paid for. But, you know, YouTube, our audiences are largely made up of very young kids and they just don't see it. It's not always stuff that you're directly paid for. There's a bonus payment on whatever it might be. You know, you send someone who's big on YouTube a special edition. They'll do an unboxing. It's free marketing for, you know, that audience are prone to doing, to, to, well, I don't want to say they're prone to giving free advertising, but they are very susceptible to being well, that's influenced an argument, by... That's an argument that also applies to media. Yeah, human beings are. Human. I think the fact that, you know, like Matt's just said, the fact that we, we work in, um, you know, for a company that would notice these kind of things and that would question these things, not having that middle ground that's the thing someone is, that says why are you doing this video i appreciate the thing is it's always been a problem but the problem before used to be that um media outlets would not do anything dodgy because you're you're self-policed by your own company but you're also policed by other like peers other websites like if a website found out that another website was doing something incredibly dodgy they would report on it like if it was like seriously dodgy it would be like a scandal oh, and they'd enjoy reporting on it oh well, yeah they'd have a hell of a time but it, there's always been a problem in games media of Actually, you know, it sounds harsh because it does seem like you're punching downwards, but there has always been a problem with the bottom of the ladder. Bloggers, stuff like this, because the problem is when you really want to get into games media and get a job as it, um, the, the easiest way to do that, especially if you're not very good, and chances are if you're starting out, you're not very good. I was crap when I started. Um, is when you get invited to a games event. You get invited to an event. Mm. You get to go, you get to hang around with real journalists, you get free drinks. It's exciting. It is exciting. Mm. I remember doing that. I remember, this is hilarious, the first press event I went to, I was so excited. Yeah. Guess what it's for? Boom Boom Rocket on Xbox Live Arcade. Really? Piece of shit. But I thought it was great. I had a great time. I was so excited. Um, I didn't get a t-shirt or anything like that, but I got a free copy of the game to play and all this stuff. Free copy of the downloadable game. It's difficult not to get drawn in by that. But the problem is, if you're introduced to it by PR, then you end up being quartered. And there are a lot Mm, of people in our industry who've basically been groomed since day one. And a lot of websites are just... They don't think there's anything wrong with the way they operate. They're basically working with... PRs to promote games and stuff. And it's not that it is always wrong, it's just they've approached it from the wrong way. But when it is just dealing with people getting free promo copies, free exclusive editions, free t-shirts, invited to events, free drinks, that's an issue. But the problem we've got now is these guys who started off with this freebie stuff have now got millions and millions of people watching them. And they're not saying, hey, do you want to come and have free events? They're literally saying, we will give you 20 grand if you make videos about our game. And they're saying, okay, and not disclosing it to viewers. So if you think that that's okay because they're not journalists, it's like, no. Like, w- journalism in games isn't really journalism. No. Largely what we do is we tell you if games are good or not. Yeah. And you hopefully trust us sometimes. So a lot of YouTubers but doing that as well. A lot of YouTubers doing that. There isn't a massive line between those There's two roles. There's barely a line at all these days. So, yeah, if... I mean, you've just got to, got to figure out which... We're not saying, you know, YouTube is corrupt as a whole. Like, of course, there are people that do great stuff on there. Absolutely. And if you and even them, some and of the people them. that may have agreed to this, I, I don't... They're not... Some of them may not necessarily be bad people. I, we don't label them as, as being 
corrupt or anything like that. It's just that, like you were saying, Matt, like it's so the f- uh, so well, it easy to fall into that yeah, trap it, of it's very being led easy. that way. It's and, very easy. And I think that some people say it's okay to make video content if you disclose that you've been paid to make it. And I think that's fair as well. I think it'd be worthless if I made a video which is like, hey, here's a video of me talking about why this game's really good. Yeah. Just so you know, I've been paid to make this. <laughs> exactly. I'd be like, well, uh, if I was watching that, I'd be like, well, I'm not going to watch this then because it's going to be bollocks. And, you know, if you can get away with that and your audience don't care, then that's fine. I think it's kind of dumb, but that's fine. But so much of this stuff is clearly not disclosed. And what annoys me most is that a lot of fans of YouTubers and a lot of fans of this sort of thing, and I'm kind of walked both sides now, but it's like they still go, oh, yeah, fuck games journalism. It's so corrupt. Yeah, who cares? I just watch this stuff now. This stuff's so much better. It's like you're being so naive. And you know what? It happens in everything throughout history. The way the new people get in and the way the new people get corrupt is through the naive belief that the system before was completely mm-hmm. corrupt and the new way is better and clean and clear. And now, like the fact that people are pointing a finger at Microsoft this week for doing this evil deal. No, this is a wake-up call mm-hmm. that... If you think journalism is corrupt, then you need to accept that YouTube is just as corrupt, if not more. I'd say more, frankly, because it's more overt. Obviously, in media, you've got situations where you might have a really big ad campaign by a game, and then you know the reviewer might give the game a good score. But the important thing to know about working on publications is there's so many people between that. The guy who sold the ads will never talk to the guy who wrote the review. Mm. Like, never. So it's not I like think it's important to highlight there's not a connection between having an ad campaign and having a review score. There is not, no. Yeah. And that's the thing, it's different departments. And what might happen is if you get a really big ad campaign for a game and then someone reviews it and gives it a really bad score, then the ad guy from next door might come through and start saying, yeah. what the fuck have you done? But then it's the job of the editor of the publication to go and sit down with the ad guy, cool them down, and then they have to deal with it. I that. mean, there, there have been examples. It happens, where but that- yeah that's gone badly i mean obviously jeff gersman uh, leaving GameSpot over what well, a lot of that had to yeah. do with a review score and but that's uh, an like advertisement that's the thing is that is so rare yeah and the you know the media are terrified of that ever happening again because that tarnished GameSpot's reputation yeah. at least in the short term, knocked them on their ass for a long really time did. yeah and, and you know they haven't entirely ever got yeah. up from it really but that's the thing is you know they're, they're, the the people putting that link together there are a, there are people in between, there are gaps, there are professional gaps on a professional basis. We've got an ad guy here, but I don't, don't ever talk to him on a professional basis. We chat in the kitchen about bollocks, but like, <laughs> we don't have any connection, really. You know, he sorts out ads, I sort out content. It's different. Um, yeah, with a YouTuber, it's often just one guy, or worse, actually, one guy and their agents. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but I dealt with a YouTuber's agent in the past sort of six months, and he was a fucking twat. And you realise that these people are often fully grown adults who are coercing kids into kind of basically being like, well, you've been offered this money, you should probably take it, because they don't care. Like, you know, if, you've got, if you're a YouTuber who's a kid, you're making loads of money, and your agent basically says to you, well, listen, they've given you all this money. If you're going, I don't know, if you've got a grown-up who's a professional saying, it's okay, just take the money because they'll get a cut of it, then it would be difficult. I think it's hard because a lot of these kids don't really know what they're doing. But I think also a lot of these kids have been given a free ride for far too long. And it's time to wake up, kids. If you're going to earn loads of money, then you've got to suck a bag of dicks sometimes as well. Mm. Well, no, that doesn't okay. make that any sense. That derailed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. I know what you there, mean. There was a point <laughs> something, something about a bag of dicks <laughs> being sucks. Oh, I shouldn't have brought a bag of dicks into No, back to Tearaway. We've gone full circle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Always matting his dicks. Okay, Sorry. moving on. Um, 
We've got a question from Oscar who asks... Hi. Should games on Steam Early Access, as they are available to buy right now, be reviewed by more sites? Be reviewed. Reviews, perhaps a strange word. And there are sites that do review Early Access games. I think everyone should cover them. Of course they should. It's, it, it, because you can buy them often for full price... It's a tough one, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you Sometimes they review them and don't give them a score, which could be a way to do it. It's almost like a halfway house between a preview and a review. Mm. And, well, early access is kind of a halfway house, isn't it? And you can't necessarily score them. Yeah. Well, you couldn't score them because they've gone to Metacritic in some instances and then that'll... Yeah, that reflects the... That'll reflect the final project when it's yeah. even out, when it could be fixed. It's a tough one. I don't know if there's an actual answer, to be honest. Well, I, have... I think people should discuss them, definitely. Yeah. And I think mm. perhaps more sites should talk about them and should well, treat I mean, them as I in... I mean, Daisy has, uh, has sold so I think that's a special copies. case, though, isn't it, but, Daisy? Well, it, but it's, it's a great case to talk about for early access. That, has, you, that, that game needs to be covered by the media because it's, it's been such a huge, had such a huge impact. No, of course. And so then it becomes, a, how do you, do you cover it in terms of the quality of the content that you're offered or in terms of, I like just, you say, the numbers of what it's been sold or not? Yeah. Well, oh, I think it's a case-by-case yeah. case basis as it is with full game reviews my, my, as they stand at the moment. You know, we don't review every game under the sun regardless of whether it's a box release, digital release. Uh, I, I don't think the scores... I a lot of people um, have different opinions on this, but I, mean, I don't think the score isn't going to be a huge impact. You can say whether or not you think the game is good. You can say how early access has affected it. That's your role... That's what we have to do. That's what, what do you mean what the we, score's not going to be a huge impact? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you cover Daisy at this stage without giving it a, an 8 out of 10 or whatever you deem it at the moment. You can say your point. I think if Daisy came out and, and people did it. give it a score yeah. and they gave it 8, 9, 10, it probably boosted itself even higher than it is if, now. But if there was a low score, people but would If it was a low insane. score, it would affect it negatively. Uh, you couldn't score them in their state now, I don't think. Um, but how you approach that, because well, the, the public... Way. In a weird way, the whole that sort of situations where actually I think the whole polygon adaptive score thing is actually quite a good system. Possibly. Uh, but I think it's funny how they do their adaptive score stuff, but I'd be doing... I don't know if they have done that, I might be wrong, but if, if I were them, I would have a review of DayZ up now. Mm. But then it's like the aggregators, like Metacritic, like once your score is up, that's your final score. That's they will not change that. And so... That's not our responsibility. No, of course, of course. To but about, but to it? the developers and to the publishers, that yeah. means a lot. And so yeah. they've got to wake it up to it money. as well. Yeah, mm. so, whole thing's pretty weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's still you know, treading water at the moment. Like, the weird thing about reviews is it's like what people think they are. Like yeah. the amount of times we put up videos this year and people have gone, "Oh, this is a great review," and it's like it's not a review. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like a feature. Like things like when I've talked about why The Last of Us was really good, they're like, "This is the best review of the game I've seen." It's like it's not a review. It's, well, I guess it's technically, it's, I suppose it's, it is. The title but, is like, yeah, no. But then the whole problem with review embargoes and all that stuff is it's like, well, you're just basically embargoing a number. Yeah, but then, that's all it is, though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's mad. It's a bit silly, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, we got time for it? A... We've kind of already quite passed, but screw it. All right, let's go for... Let's, let's, fire, this, roll. let's fire this fucker into the sun. Uh, <laughs> we've got a question. Okay, last question from Yo Mama on Twitter. Yo, how you uh, doing? Says, Does Simon normally wear skin-tight shirts around the office, or is that just for the show on the live streams? Mm. I think, yeah. Well, I'm wearing a skin-tight shirt today. Whoa! Oh my goodness! Just wow. spilled, spilled coffee is on that mine. Skin tight. <laughs> yeah, it is. Look, look, show you. I think the thing with Simon is that everything is oh, skin yeah, tight. It's very hard to find something that isn't. There's skin so tight. much skin. <laughs> that I don't know. Yeah. More skin than anyone. I don't know if, yeah. if Simon is listening back to that and thinking, "Right, fuck you, Dave. You're fired." I don't mean that in a bad way, Simon. You've just I think got you're looking. A lot of skin I think you're looking packed. trim. If that is that a good word. 
Digging yourself a hole. Trim. He's looking beef. Yeah. Should we just take the shovel trim off beef? you, Dave? You yeah. Stop digging yourself this hole. Do you want to? Do you want to swap your shovel for my shovel? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine's a bit deeper with a big bang of dicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if, if you want to do a swap, I'll be happy with the dicks. I'm not bothered about them. But well, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Good to know. Okay then. Well, I guess that. that Thanks for your question. More questions? Uh, yeah. More question? We've. Uh, not really. They're, they're, it's go on. Pretty big one. Okay. This one last one from Inns on the forums who says, "Hey guys, what's up from Australia? How you doing? Whoa. Is it summer over Good there? Day. Um, Good day, yes, mate. it is. Good day. Here's the scenario: you are a video game publisher with a brand new game ready to be sent out for review. It can be whatever type of game you like, real or imaginary. Mm-hmm. What crazy umbungos? And he did use the the term umbungos. I'm glad. Would you stipulate on. to the journalists uh, reviewing your game? For example, the order." 1886 must be reviewed in 100% old-timey English, which would be fantastic. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, Sonic has got to be reviewed fast. I think, I think if you do any Scared. kind of uh, video content, you need to split it up into little clips and rearrange them just to annoy all the people that... I fucking hate that rule. It's so pointless. The worst thing about that rule is when... The, this is the thing, you get, you get B-roll and it's like, you can use this B-roll, but you have to cut it up into 20-second clips mm. and intersperse it with other stuff. And you spend fucking ages doing this to the point at which often I've been given that with that stipulation and go, well, I'm not using it because mm. it's too much work. But then you just watch somebody just completely ignore it and no consequences. Mm. Just some fuckwit mm. talking over the whole thing. And you go, you sit there going, oh, Mr. PR, you're going <laughs> to, you gave me <laughs> this really you incredibly. Rules. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have to maintain your rules. Otherwise, uh, yeah. chaos. Mm. When we uh, took a look at Fable Anniversary, that, that's been slit up into different clips, which seems really necessary considering. Fable is yeah. almost 10 Spoilers, years old. mate. Yeah. Spoilers. Sorry about that. It's bollocks. Yeah. You have to review Mario while wearing dungarees for full <laughs> authenticity. You know what? I don't have a pair of dungarees anymore. No. Anymore? No. You've, I've had dungarees in the past. What, it's like proper nice. over the shoulder yeah. things? Well, I mean, I'm talking like when I was less than 10 years of age. You have to review Mount Your Friends whilst being balanced atop a pile of increasingly muscular naked With, men. In banana hammocks. Yes. Okay. Oh, of course. Well, that was a silly question. That's really a good wasn't. one. We're not going to top that one. No. I don't think we will. No one's going to top that one. No. I love Mount Your Friends. It's so yeah. good. It's the best. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting here going, Mount Your Friends, what's that? Then switch your Xbox 360 on and go to the Indie Game Marketplace. Immediately. If yeah. you can find it. Yeah, well, it's coming out on PC eventually. Mm. I can't wait for that day. Yeah, I, no, I, I talk about the Xbox Live I, Indie Marketplace because that oh, yeah, Marketplace oh, yeah. is just a fuck show. Zing. Yeah. I bet it's really difficult to find Mount Your Friends right now, actually. Probably. Mm. But hopefully it will come out on I PC at some point because this. it is one of my favourite games. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it's been a slightly longer and slightly more rambly episode than usual. Apologies for that. Thank you very much for joining us. Dave. Um, my Sorry. Name's Matt Lees. Uh, so I've got about two more podcasts and then I fuck off forever. You don't have to worry about me Man. talking no about dicks. Dark Souls talk. Dark Souls. That. That's getting shut down. Uh, so that'll be a relief uh, for everyone, I'm sure. Been joined by Brett Phipps. Bye. Mr. Chris Bratz. Bye. Mr. Dave Scammon. Au revoir. Bye.